Hey guys, I'm Cyrus, and welcome to the Darkness Podcast. Today, we're joined by another member of our mod community here in the Darkness Discord, who's going to be talking about a pretty awesome topic that he brought to me, and I'm really excited for him to share his viewpoints on this, and for the two of us to kind of go back and forth. But before we get into the topic, I just want to say thank you for being here. Make sure you check out our Discord channel. The link for that is attached to the description. But today, let's go ahead and introduce our special guest. I want him to go ahead and jump straight in on this. And his name is Armin Jace. Armin, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, man. Hi, everyone. My name is Armin Jace. Um, you can catch me, as Cyrus mentioned, in the Discord. Um, I am also on Twitter under Armin Jace and then Facebook under Armin Jace Gaming. Um, I, don't, I have a Twitch, but I don't use it that often. Um, it's one of the things that I'm setting up in the in the future uh, once I get my budgeting on track, which is why today's topic is so great. That's awesome. So let's, um, let's jump straight into it. So the topic for today is actually gaming on a budget, and I'm sure you caught that from the podcast title. And so one of the things that when we get into talk about gaming, a lot of things come into question, whether you're spending money on the hardware, on the game, on the experience, on the expansions, all of the things that come with gaming. But the question is, how do you do that when you know that you've got a job or a family or you're a, a student or a young person who doesn't have a lot of money? How do you do that on a budget? So I think that's what we're going to be talking about today. But the first question, and this is usually the one that defines a lot of what you're going to do gaming-wise, console versus PC gaming. Go ahead, Armin. Tell me about your thoughts on that as a person who is a console player who also has a PC. How does that fare? What are your thoughts? Well, one of the uh, one of the things to think about in the console versus PC debate, um, I know a lot of a lot of gamers are concerned with performance. A lot of gamers are con- concerned with connectivity. Um, if you're a multiplayer gamer, what are all your friends playing on? Uh, what's the most competitive platform for you? If it comes to a single-player game, it might be a matter of graphics. It might be a matter of load times, performance. So really, it, it boils down to taking all that into consideration. Um, but first, let's start with um, let's start with the PC side. Um, I know in our Darkness Discord, we actually have dedicated channels to PC gaming, to the technology upgrades. You can usually you can usually look at a game's specifications and find out uh, the recommended settings for your game um, or for your PC. You can figure out what kind of graphics card you'll need, what kind of RAM you're t- looking at, um, things like that. So the the biggest difference here is with PC gaming, you might have continual upgrades every year or every two years uh, just to keep up with performance as uh, both newer games come out and as older games may be updated to higher quality standards. With a console, you're not upgrading that often. Usually when a console comes out, you've got a year, you've got a window of about five or six years in between generations where the hardware that you've got is going to be basically the top of that line. It might not be the best in comparison to other platforms or in comparison to a PC, but it'll still get the job done and you don't have to tinker with it a whole lot. So 
generally I, I try to stick with consoles just because it's less work for me to do. It's less for me to have to remember all the time. And I can generally count on when I buy a new game, I'll be ready to play it as soon as the install's done. Okay, and so let's let's expand on that thought because I think when you the, the biggest part of being PC and console uh, that people talk about is you know PC Master Race. I have the ability to do every single game. I, I have nothing limiting me except what is uh, able to be downloaded and what's limited by the graphics card. I think the big question there is if a person can build a PC for the same price as a console. What's the push to get a console? Like, what's the what's the gravitating emotion feeling that goes into purchasing a console that is what you would feel is justifiable rather than investing in a PC? Um, for the most part, the exclusivity issue. Um, there are there are certain games that are exclusive to PlayStation or exclusive to the Nintendo Switch. I know with Xbox, it's not really a big deal anymore because, you know, Microsoft announced going forward that they were going to have a cross-platform between PC and console, or, you know, you would have, um, you, you would you would be able to get, you'd be able to play either one, basically. Um, they wouldn't really be doing console exclusives necessarily. It would just be Microsoft exclusive. Okay. And so when you think about that exclusivity, uh, you know, it makes me just really think about another part of just the whole point of being a console gamer. There are things that we can't play on PC. Um, for example, like if I owned a N Nintendo Switch, okay, which I do, if I wanted to play a Nintendo Switch title, I'm not going to be able to do that on PC without some very finicky emulators, and I'm still not going to get like online status like I would with Smash or Mario Kart or, or something like that. So do you think that's why the popularity of those titles are still there is because that exclusivity on the console prevents them from being so easily accessible on a PC? I think that's a large part of it. Um... But also, as it relates to Mario, to Mario Kart and Smash Brothers, I mean, those are those are household those are household titles. Those are titles that have endured for almost thirty years. Uh, Smash Brothers, I actually recently saw, uh, is closing in on its twentieth anniversary. I saw the trailer from the original Smash Brothers for the N sixty four from twenty years ago, and fans are still clamoring for new additions to the title, to the franchise, to this day. Um, we've seen that they released Smash Brothers Ultimate for the Switch, and then that, that had all of the characters to that point um, from all of the previous titles. Well, then they expanded on that by adding the first Fighter's Pass, and then that was such a rousing success that they went ahead and did a second Fighter's Pass. And uh, I think we're three fighters into that one now. They've still got a couple more to go. And honestly, if things keep going, they may add a third or a fourth. It, it's, it's just an enduring thing. And that's just one of the big things about Nintendo is they're not, they're not as concerned with performance or graphics or you know, necessarily gameplay as Microsoft or Sony. They know their niche and they do it well. Hmm. And... That's that's one of the reasons like they're not really bothered with the console wars. They're not really bothered with console versus PC. They're he they're here doing their own thing. Other kids are playing in the sandbox and 
the uh, Nintendo kids are sitting there with Legos building the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, I think that's so true because Nintendo in itself, you, you back up to the, the first, the NES and the Game Boy, they really set themselves apart really early on to be completely different with handhelds and and items that are not something that every company does. Like Microsoft doesn't have a handheld version of the Xbox. Or PlayStation did. They had the PS Vita and the PSP, which were very popular devices, but they, they don't have an updated version of that today. For Nintendo to continue to do that, they've really hit themselves in a market there that's very specific and very niche, like you said. And it's yeah, I think they're really sitting on that. But I think the the overall part of this is if you're a person who is getting in there and you're deciding right now, let's say you are, you have $500, $400, and you're making the decision. Do I get an Xbox Series X? Do I build a budget PC? Do I invest in a, in a Nintendo Switch? And the truth is, if it's if it's me saying it, it's all about what you want. Do you want to come home with absolutely little setup, turn your console on, and just get straight to gaming? Or do you need it for a little bit more than that? Some home office work, a little bit of content creation. Consoles are able to do some of that, but not to the level that a PC does. On the flip side, consoles are pretty powerful now in what they can run in comparison to the money invested to get a budget PC that's going to do the same thing. So, If it was me telling you that, I don't think I could give you that answer. But I'll tell you, as a console player who went PC, the simplicity of being a console player is something I miss. Of, I just want a game, come home, turn the Xbox on, hang out with the boys, have some fun, and then turn it off and not think about it and do the occasional update. Whereas PC, there's usually a good bit of maintenance, a little bit of, you know, background work that has to be done to keep everything running smoothly. So that's my take on it. Armin, what's yours? For the most part, I agree. Um, being a console gamer, it 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 does add a little bit of um, brevity to the whole setup process. And of course, I'm not, you know, I'm not taking any particular side in the console wars. I've actually got all three of the last gen consoles and there's, there's not really one that I prefer over the others. It's just in the mood. It's just whatever I'm in the mood to play at the time. I could come home and want to chill out with some Animal Crossing, so I'll boot up the Switch and have it docked and play it on the TV. And then maybe uh, Afterburn or Echo or someone jumps on Xbox. They want to run Gambit or something in Destiny, so I'll just switch over to the Xbox and do that. I like being able to switch back and forth. And you can... If you have your setup right, you can do that just as easily on consoles as you can with PC, if not even easier. Awesome. All right, so let's let's take that and let's go into the next part. So let's say you, you're wanting to do a, a console purchase. You're wanting to jump straight into console. And the question starts becoming, especially with new-gen consoles, I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the Xbox Series S does not have a disk drive. It is digital only. That's correct. Okay, and then there's a PS version is do they have a playstation version that's the same way as well yes okay, there's so. um there the playstation 5 you have one with a disc drive and one without okay and the one without is about a hundred dollars cheaper than the one with same with the xbox series x and series s okay so if you make that decision and you go with the just to spend a little bit less money to for for budgeting reasons now you're in that conversation of i have to buy everything digitally and now I have that conversation of, now I can't buy a disc. What if I don't like it? Do I want to sell it back? What do I do? You know, how does 
how does that all fare out? You know, when you're when you're ha- trying to have that big conversation of, do I want to have that physical disc that I stick in my com- my console every single time, or do I want to have it ready to go download whenever I want on whatever console I want? So let's talk about that and and the conversation that hits there, because one of the things we're going to talk about is actually a really hot button topic right now, because today is actually the day that the shorted stocks happened in GameStop. So um. Really interesting topic in itself. I don't think we'll really get into that, but what I do want to talk about is things like that. When you get to ready to get rid of a game, if you got a digital, you can't. If you got a physical, you do. What are options for gamers on a budget standpoint? They've spent less on a console to get it digital. Is there a trade-off there? Um, I think there actually really is a trade-off. Um, one of the one of the good things about the Xbox is the ability to game share. So what you can do is find someone else who has an Xbox or, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a friend, if you've got a sibling, if you've got a spouse and you, you each have your own consoles, what you can do is you can set their console as your home and vice versa. So then whatever you end up, whatever you end up buying gets downloaded to both consoles. And even if it's not necessarily something you like, it could be something that they like. So it's not really a wasted purchase. But at the same time, really, you're only spending half the price of the game, if you think about it that way. And then you're spending half price to gift them the same game. So for things like like for, for the new Black Ops game that just came out, I actually recently had that gifted to me by Afterburn. <laughs> and But because, because I have my wife's console set as my home, we can both download and play it. Nice. And... Um, that, that's just something that we've both been thinking about. Now, there are still some games that we'll buy. There, there are some games that I'll still buy physically just because I have no interest in playing it, but she might. Like Cyberpunk, we just I just bought that for her. I didn't really have any interest in it, but I know she really did. And she's really enjoyed it. So that, that I don't think was a wasted purchase on my end. But there are, there are other options rather than purchasing outright. Um, there are still... Uh, game rental services in uh, in play here. Your local Redbox does still do uh, Xbox games, PlayStation games. They've started carrying Switch games. If you're into more of a subscription-based thing, I was actually just looking, and Gamefly is still around. They haven't been advertised as much. You can rent one or two games at a time from Gamefly just to see how they are. And if you like them, you can pick it up down the road. If not, you can go ahead and send it back and get something else that's in your list. But the options are there for, for physical gamers as well. Now, with, with digital gaming, that trial period is a little bit more finicky. But what a lot of, what a lot of things, uh, what a lot of developers have been doing, especially with Microsoft, is um, they'll do free play weekends. So you'll have, you'll have highlights of, of certain games. They might give you a they might give you a forty eight hour trial of the new Black Ops so you can see if you like it. They have they've had trial versions of Destiny where you could play what I think up to ten hours of that mm-hmm. before you decided whether you wanted to buy it or invest in the DLC. So uh, keeping an eye out for those trial periods is important, and that you know that's that's something that um, if if you're if you're vigilant if you pay attention to the different platforms, uh, socials, or the different splash pages. When you start up the console, they'll have that information advertised there as well. Okay, so with that being said, there's always the the other side of that, the 
the physical part or the digital part, we've, we've just covered that. Like what's the benefit of both? You know, the physical part is you can always sell it, get rid of it, maybe try to recoup some of your money, but let's go, let's go a little bit further into that idea of digital gaming, because I think by Xbox and PlayStation offering a console that is digital only, I think the question comes, is this where we're going entirely because of this push from the consoles to be able to make it this way. I don't personally think that they're going to go straight digital all the time because there's something said about buying a physical product, but I do think the convenience of digital is what they're hoping for. Um, But with that, and I know that Xbox has something called Game Pass. Um, PlayStation has PlayStation Plus. I've never owned a PS4 or a PS3, so I have no clue. But they have a, a program where you're able to subscribe each month, get free games to download, things like that. I want to talk about both of them, and seeing as I don't have a PlayStation, you're obviously the expert compared to me in this. So I want you to talk about, like, what are the pros and cons to each? So now that we've talked about should you do console PC, let's maybe have the conversation, the two AAA title consoles right now, Xbox, PlayStation. Which one should you possibly go through? You know, what what's the possibility of each? You know, are these programs... comparable in what they offer and with that being compared to each other is it like a netflix of gaming and there's a lot of titles that people want to play or is it like a and let me be honest like a hulu of gaming where it's not every title you want to play and it's just smattered around so what's your opinion on that so um first of all the the comparison between game pass and playstation plus isn't entirely accurate Uh, playstation plus is Really, uh, Sony's online gaming subscription. It's it's more comparable to Xbox Live Gold. Now, one of the benefits to PlayStation Plus is the selection of free titles that they give out every month. And generally, generally, Sony has been trying to give higher quality titles than Xbox has been with these free selections. Um, I believe February's one of February's titles for PlayStation Plus is Control, which uh, it's it's been a very popular title. It's a very cerebral title, but they're finally getting the opportunity to play it for free. But this follows from Xbox, who last month added it to Game Pass. So Game Pass is a different subscription altogether. What Game Pass does is there is a selection of games that you can download and play on your console, and it's just for a limited time until that game is removed from Game Pass. Microsoft has recently partnered with EA and made the EA Play library part of Game Pass. So that right there practically doubles your library of available games right off the bat. You're adding titles like Battlefield, uh, Star Wars Battlefront, Fallen Order, and it's not just the current ones, it's the previous ones too. Not only have they added Battlefield 5, they've added uh, 1, 4, Hardline, all of those. Um but there's not really a comparable service on PlayStation. Now there was the there was the PlayStation Now service, but I, I honestly think it pales in comparison to the offerings of Game Pass and EA Play combined. Okay, so when we're talking about that in specific, now you're now you're a consumer, you're today, you're making that decision, Xbox to PlayStation. Um when you're looking at both of those, how just as, just because I don't know, how much is PlayStation uh, what is it, PlayStation Plus? How much is that? Is there a subscription fee? There is a subscription fee, and it is actually the same as um, 
it is actually the same as Xbox Live by itself. Um, now you can get discounts on those cards, but for the most part, they run the same price. You're looking at about $10 a month or 25 for three months or 60 for a year. Okay. And I think Xbox Live just announced that they're in- increasing their price on gold, which was their subscription service as well. Is that right? They had originally... They had originally planned to, but the 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 great cry and hue from the gaming community was it it created such an outrage when they made that decision that Microsoft actually walked that decision back. Okay. So they are not increasing the price of Xbox Live, and in addition, they've made it to where you will not require a gold subscription to play free to play games. Nice. Okay, so things like Apex Legends, Fortnite, Paladins things that people all have access to on almost every console that there is, including Switch for a couple of those titles, by the way. They're not requiring that subscription now. That's correct. Okay. But then you have Game Pass. So I know that Xbox Live is, if you think of it from a monthly perspective, because this is something you can budget into a monthly thing or maybe make that purchase of a $60 for a year at one time. That's like 10 bucks a month, okay? Game Pass is 15 bucks a month. So you're talking about... For an extra $5-ish, you're gaining access to, from what I remember from a console, because I haven't really looked at it on console lately, like over 100 titles. Plus, you're getting Game Pass on PC included with that if you do Xbox Ultimate. So there's the opportunity there for crossplay. Does that not just, from a consumer standpoint, if I was coming into this, that's just a very attractive like proposition to say, look, this is a really easy thing to do to get access to AAA titles without having to purchase them all. I can try them, hate them, uninstall them, and not feel guilty about spending $60 on a brand new title. What are your thoughts? I, I completely agree that from a from a budget conscientious standpoint, that is absolutely the more attractive option. Um, and I've actually recently converted one of my coworkers to the Game Pass Ultimate family as well, because one of one of the things about the one of the things about the Game Pass Ultimate Edition, you have you have your Xbox Live subscription. Say you pay by month, say you pay by year. But Microsoft is constantly trying to get people to try out Game Pass Ultimate, and one of the ways they're doing that is by running promotions. And the current promotion is actually the one that I got started on. Um, they're doing three months of Game Pass Ultimate for just a dollar. And that three months tax on to whatever the end of your gold subscription was. Your entire gold subscription is converted over to Game Pass Ultimate, and you add three months on top of that. So say you bought gold today, and it's a year subscription, so it runs out January 28th, 2022. Well, then you see the promotion for Game Pass Ultimate. So you shell out that one extra dollar. So your Game Pass Ultimate now runs from today all the way through April 28th of 2022. Wow, that's, that's 15 crazy. months. 15 months of online play, 15 months of Game Pass, EA Play, a huge library of titles for you to choose from without having to pay an extra cent. So you're talking, essentially, if you buy a, a year card, a $60 card, you're talking about $61, and you're getting access to a ridiculous amount of games for 15 months. And, and new titles that they're adding, too, because they're doing, like, I think they dropped, they, what's the title that they put on there? Like, it came out, like, it launched live, but it then also came out on Game Pass that day. There's several titles that have been that. 
They, there, there's been a long list of them, and I, for the life of me, I can't think of any of them right off the top of my head. Um, but I, I know that that's actually an ongoing commitment from Microsoft is that their titles that they're launching on console are going straight to Game Pass as well in many, many cases. Right, and there's also games there like Ark Survival Evolved, Destiny 2, the DLCs for that. You're talking about things like Grand Theft Auto, um, platforming things like Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Just really nice games that are that are popular now that you see everyone playing uh, and in every genre too, and even older titles from you know previous generations. You're looking at I think there's Crash Bandicoot on there as well. So it's kind of for everything. Yeah, I don't I don't think Crash Bandicoot is, is on there, but I do know that Banjo-Kazooie is, which that doesn't just date back to the Xbox 360. That goes all the way back to the Nintendo 64, back when Rare was an independent entity. Um, so that's that's a good opportunity to get, get in on one of those games that's, you know, over a decade old and, you know, give new generations of gamers a chance to experience that charm and, you know, that amount of fun see that's awesome and i think something tycoon zoo tycoon was on there at one time um i think so yeah there's a lot of opportunities for you to to jump into it so i think it might sound like we're really biased towards xbox but if we're talking about a budget perspective it just kind of sells itself if i'm gonna if i'm being honest it just sells itself unless you're like a diehard playstation person and you're coming into it like you, you haven't owned a console Xbox just makes sense from a budget conscientious person's perspective. So let's lean on that. It's 60 bucks for a year to get gold. Is there a better time to purchase it? Um, actually, yes. There, There's a better time to purchase it, and there are better ways to purchase it. Now, you can get it straight through Microsoft and pay full price for it, but throughout the year, there are occasions where you can find better deals on it. Um, occasionally, you'll find, um, I think you'll find the year cards for $10 off at Newegg. I think that deal is actually going on right now. Closer to Black Friday and the run-up into the Christmas season, you will find the three-month cards for Xbox Live Gold actually on sale for uh, $10 off. And um, last year, they actually started running promotions on the Game Pass Ultimate. They had... Typically, a three-month card for Game Pass Ultimate, I believe, is $40, but they actually had them marked down to $24.99, if wow. I'm remembering correctly. But again, that that's right around Black Friday season, and that that's a good time to buy those memberships. And it's, it's not just Xbox. Um, PlayStation Plus, they'll usually have those sales running on there as well. And, you know, either in stores on Black Friday or online on Newegg. Nice. Okay. And so just because we haven't mentioned it yet, Nintendo does have their Nintendo, is it online? Is that what they call it? Nintendo online? Nintendo Switch online. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So they do have a service and they don't offer a bunch of free titles. They do offer the, the emulators that are from the NES and the SNES, which do have a lot of titles on them, which are, which are great. And it gives you online play. Is there any other benefit to having Nintendo online? Apart from the online play, you know, the, the virtual console, as you mentioned, the, the thing to think about with Nintendo, though, is that their online subscription is a lot less expensive than PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live Gold. With Nintendo Switch Online, you're paying, you're paying $20 a year for online play for a single plan, or they offer a family plan, I think, for $30. 
And that family plan would cover, it would still cover a console, but it would cover all of the family members' profiles on that console. Say your wife was wanting to play something on the Switch, but she had her own save file, Pokemon, for example. Mm-hmm. You can set up you can set up separate save files for Pokemon as long as you have different profiles on that Switch. So she's trying to play Pokemon online and doesn't want to use your profile, she goes on hers. Well, if you've got the Nintendo Switch family plan, then she's got online access too. So there is a subscription service even for Nintendo as well. Yes. Okay, and I think from a monthly perspective, which is what I pay, which I know is ridiculous in the grand scheme, but it's just how we budget. I think it's three ninety nine a month. I think is how it comes out and shakes out to be. That that sounds about right. Um, yeah, I think that's because when you add it up, it's the comparison to how much you would pay if you paid yearly is is gross. Just like with Xbox <laughs> and PlayStation. Um, but let's keep going. Let's talk about specific rewards programs. I know from experience because I've used it. Um, as an Xbox person, there is an, a reward system for Xbox. Is there something like that on the other platforms? I think Switch has something like that with coins and then maybe a couple of other options. Let's let's jump into that. Starting off with the Switch, the Switch does have a rewards program. It's, um, it's massively scaled back by comparison. Largely what you have is they've got two different coin types. They've got gold coins and platinum coins. Um, the platinum coins are gener- generally free to earn. You can you can get those by playing certain games, like by playing some of the mobile titles, um, Fire Emblem Heroes, for example. I think Pokemon Masters you can or- you can earn platinum Nintendo coins, um, and then the Mario Kart mobile title you can earn those as well. Um, but the gold coins you actually earn by purchasing titles on originally the the Wii U and 3DS, but now on Switch titles. Um, you earn gold coins there. The gold coins for the My Nintendo Rewards, they will give you percentages off of games. They like you can't you can't get gift cards with them like you could with Microsoft. Um, but you can get up to I think 30% off of certain titles, uh, maybe Breath of the Wild or uh, Super Mario 3D World, but by by and large, um, Nintendo doesn't seem interested in offering a whole lot of discounts on most of their titles. Okay, and so now comparison to Xbox, because I, I know both of us have experience with that one. Uh, console wars between the major AAA ones, you know, PlayStation versus Microsoft in this case. Which one has the better rewards program for a budget gamer? I believe there actually is a rewards program for PlayStation. Looks like you earn points and you can use those for some, uh, PlayStation products and experiences. I don't know exactly what the conversion rate is. I don't know, for example, how many points you need to get a gift card. I know with Xbox, it's um, the lowest you can get is a is a a dollar twenty-five gift card for Microsoft, and that's sixteen hundred points. But you can you can keep stacking points and get bigger and bigger gift card amounts. Now, one of the things with Microsoft as well is if you have an active gold subscription or an active Game Pass subscription, you actually get a discount on those gift cards. So, say you're getting a ten dollar gift card, instead of paying ten thousand points for it, now you're only paying ninety-three hundred. So. You can earn rewards faster on Xbox. And along with that, there's actually a lot more ways to earn reward points for Xbox. Not just by playing, by buying games or playing games, earning achievements. Um, you've got 
you've got a lot of this is tied into their search engine Bing. If you do a certain number of searches on Bing per day, you get points. You can, I think you can get up to 240 points just from doing searches on Bing every day. They've also got uh, daily sets. So you do a couple of activities every day. You'll get points for those. You'll get points for doing so many days in a row. So I think like if you do three days in a row, you get an extra 45 points or an extra 100 points after eight days. And this also carries over onto the console because you can do the uh, the weekly sets. And with the weekly sets, you can earn points by checking out a new title or doing so many searches in a week. Lo just logging into the rewards app. If you do that um, three days a week, then you can get you can do do your weekly set for that. Um, if you do if you get three achievements in games, you can get that. It's it's a lot more convenient. It's a lot easier to get rewards points through Microsoft and through Xbox. And when you say rewards points and the conversion rate, we're talking about. With time investment, not money investment all the time, but with a time investment, you could essentially purchase games, purchase things that are on the Microsoft Store by converting essentially your time into Xbox Live cash, Microsoft Store cash, essentially. Yes. It, okay. I mean, it's, and it, it's, it's really a minimal amount of time for so much gain. I remember right before Christmas, I had about 40, I had like 46,000 points banked up. I converted those into gift cards, got like $40 in gift cards, and I was able to buy um, the new Marvel's Avengers game completely free. Look at that. I mean, and that was a AAA title that dropped last year, mm -hmm. and you were able to pay it basically for free, and except yes. for time investment. Yes. So, I mean, that's really cool. I mean, if you really spent the time like you knew, Cyberpunk not may, might not be the best example, but that was a very hyped game for 2020. Sure, it had its pitfalls for launch and things like that, and everyone has their own opinion, but the truth is, if you knew that that game was coming out and you saved up all your points, you could have bought or pre-ordered that game and had it ready to go with nothing out of pocket and had a game that everyone was wanting to play right then. And I think that that, it really sells. And PlayStation... I think from what I researched, they do have a, a a program. It is not as extensive as as Microsoft, just because of the nature of Microsoft, how it is linked with PC things, and you're able to add more opportunities to make rewards. And there, I think it actually offers a better conversion rate. Microsoft does compared to PlayStation. So with that being said, now we're talking about games. We're on this point. Now you've saved up some points, or you have some cash that you've set aside. When is the best time if you're going to purchase a game not on Game Pass or the one that with free ones that come through the subscription services? When's the best time to purchase a game? Where is the best time to do it? If you're going to do it digitally, how do you do it? If you're going to do it in physical, how do you do that? So the the timing for purchasing games can be a little bit finicky, but there's also a certain logic to it. With some, with a lot of your first-party titles, especially Nintendo, Nintendo first-party titles practically never go on sale. It, it's it's awful, but it's it's just a fact. It's the way Nintendo set up their business. Any any kind of sales like that, you're gonna have to that that's pretty much gonna come down to is a game store going out of business. You might be able to get a discount on it then. Um, 
but there are certain publishers they they operate on a pretty they operate on a pretty exacting principle so let's take for example square enix square enix generally they when they launch titles they'll be full price they'll be sixty dollars um and that that might seem like a big thing you know a, a huge chunk of change to drop for a game especially for like marvel's avengers but the part of the reason i was able to get avengers for free is because i knew i could wait it it wasn't something that i had to have day one because i know that square enix typically after about after a game's been out for about two maybe three months square enix will stop they'll they'll start dropping that price and sometimes it'll be 10, 20% off. Sometimes it'll go as high as 50% off. And that, that was the case with Avengers. It dropped down to $30. So that was an easy snag. And Square Enix does those kinds of sales all the time. It's a constant thing with them. Um, EA, they do those sales frequently. They'll usually, after, after the current year's Battlefield title has been out for about uh, four to six months, they'll drop. They'll they'll start fluctuating the price. There, it might go to forty. It might go all the way down to twenty dollars. Um, and it's not just the game itself. It might be the the battle pass for that particular game as well. Um, they'll start lowering the prices of the DLC. They'll start lowering the prices of the bundles. You, it it helps to pay attention to those trends, um, especially as it goes from publisher to publisher. Uh, you know, because Square Enix will have a separate schedule than EA will. They'll have a separate schedule from 2K. So, you know, your Borderlands content, that might drop after six months or it might wait till uh, nine months to a year. Um, but it, it's, it's worth paying attention to those, um, to those schedules. Now, of course, Black Friday comes around. You get towards the holiday season. That throws everyone's schedule off because now you've got fire sales on just about everything that hasn't come out in the last 30 days. You'll see bundles going for insanely low prices. You'll see, and not just in brick and mortar stores, but you'll see it on the actual platform stores as well. Microsoft will make a big deal about advertising it all over the Xbox splash page. Um, you'll see the same thing with PlayStation. You, you've got... <laughs> It, it seems like there's a Steam sale every other week. <laughs> All and the time. You can, you can get email alerts for those. Generally, what I do is I will follow the pub, both the publishers and the platforms on social media. Um, Twitter is usually my favorite because it pops up in my feed, and it's usually fairly in order. They're, they're a lot better about it on Twitter than they are on Facebook. But that's usually how I find out what's going on sale, what games are coming to Game Pass, what games are coming to... Uh, PlayStation Plus. It, it's just a matter of, of, of paying attention to the platforms, pl- paying attention to the publishers, and studying the trends. Okay, and so when you think about that, as, as a person who's trying to jump in the backside of that, who might not be, you know, connected, I'm just getting into this, you know, who are the people you would say, when you talk about social media and publishers, what, maybe name a few, what would be the people who you would recommend go follow these people? Should it just be Microsoft or should it be the individual developers? You definitely want to follow individual developers. You can find out a lot about Square Enix's upcoming sales just by following Square Enix on Twitter. Individual people with Xbox will usually clue you into 
good sales. Um, Larry Herb, uh, his Twitter handle, Twitter handle and gamer tag is Major Nelson. Um, he actually he he is the one that posts the announcements for the games with gold games that come out. Phil Spencer, not so much, but if you follow 2K, Gearbox, uh, Randy Pitchford, for as controversial as he is, he actually usually has good intel on when sales are coming up for both 2k and gearbox and then when you when you think about you know social media and all of this uh the tying into sales and the the opportunities there there's another side of that and that's actually how you know we're all connected as discord there are community discords that you can go and find that have uh, basically bots that post links all the time this game's on sale for this price on this console this game's on sale for this price on this console and so for me, I would even recommend if you're a gamer, having Discord is not a, it's not, not a bad thing. It's a good way to connect with people, but you can join servers that you could mute or leave on to even get these pings as well than just social media. It's just another idea there. So Yeah, and, yeah. and, and I, do, I do try and cover a lot of those. Um, I, I try and cover a lot of those sales um, in our own Discord. I have, you know, as I know, as you know, I've got the gaming news channel set up. Um, and I'll post, you know, not just news about gaming, but also any upcoming sales. Um, usually just deals that I find. If it's not well advertised, I might find something on, let's say, Humble Bundle. Humble Bundle is a great resource for getting games for discounted prices. And a lot of the times they will donate proceeds from those bundle sales to charity. I think, and it's not just video games. Humble Bundle actually does a lot of different things. They've got some bundles for video games, but also some for software, for for music. They've got bundles for um, tabletop games. I I just bought a bundle for the complete second edition of Pathfinder. I got I got that from Humble Bundle for like twenty dollars. Wow! And it so it's it's it that's a great thing to keep your eye on too because you'll see. They'll put up bundles of AAA titles. It might not be the newest ones, but it's definitely ones that have been popular for a while. And it's a good way to get a bunch of games at once for $15, $20. One of the ones I got was they had a complete Star Wars selection, and I I think I paid $30 for that. But it was the Rogue Squadron game from the N64, uh, Shadows of the Empire, all the X-Wing versus TIE Fighter games just a huge selection to choose from nice that's such a wonderful thing especially when you know you're able to support two causes a the selfish i'm wanting to support my habit of you know (laughs) (laughs) buying games playing and maybe i should say hobby maybe habit's the wrong word but let's be honest gamers (laughs) when you have you're supporting your hobby but another thing is you're also supporting a charity and i just i think that's a wonderful thing you know even if it's there might be a game that you might not want in there if there's something in there and it's about the right price you know why not support something if you support that cause that is when we start talking about money though money starts getting is a finicky topic and we've been t- talking about money since the start of this podcast how to do it on a budget what to do on a budget and everyone's different the comparison of me to you you and I don't have the same budget just the same as you wouldn't have the same budget compared to anyone else or especially if you're a younger person listening to this you might not even have a budget so what does that look like what advice do you have as a person who's been gaming you're a few years older than i am and you've been doing this on multiple consoles for years and able to do this and i mean you're not like 
you know, who's the most expensive person now? I think Jeff Bezos just took over Elon Musk again. I mean, you don't have the wealth of Elon Musk, but you're still doing this. So what advice do you have as someone who is in the gaming news, is connected as much as they are? What advice do you have to our listeners for gaming on a budget, budgeting your money, using that appropriately? I will always advocate patience when it comes, whether it's buying a new console or buying a new game. Um or even upgrading your existing equipment, always, always advocate patience. And that that's one of the things that I've gotten burned with several times. I've been excited for a game. I've gone ahead and bought it. And then I've been too busy to sit down and play it right away. Well, then next thing I know, I'm looking up a month later, two months later, oh, this game is on sale. I just bought it. Mm, wow. So, so patience is definitely important. Um, vigilance is always important. As I mentioned earlier, make sure you're following publishers on social media, make sure you're following, uh, platforms, developers, you know, keep your eyes on places like Humble Bundle, Newegg, um, even Kickstarters. You can find, you can find a lot of good gaming ideas on Kickstarter. I'm a, I, I actually backed one, uh, late last year. It's a game that's coming out for multiple platforms, but it's a good way to get in on the ground floor of it and maybe get a couple of extras out of it too. You might get uh, merchandise that no one else can get. You might, you, you might get some really cool stuff. The, the Kickstarter that I backed, it's for, a, it's for an upcoming game called Sea of Stars. And the particular amount that I backed this game for, I will actually appear not only in the credits of the game, but... Um, spoilers there's going to be a crypt somewhere in the game and i will have a statue in that crypt with a phrase that i will be able to choose oh wow so (laughs) so maybe you are jeff bezos (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome man um i'd love for you to tell me about the game but i don't want to go too far into that but why don't you give us a blurb what is sea of stars why are you why are you supporting it on kickstarter so um sea of stars it's actually a prequel to an existing game that's out right now called The Messenger, and you can find it on Xbox, Steam, Switch. Um, but basically, it's 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 a JRPG-styled game um, with 16-bit graphics. So you're looking at some of the older Final Fantasy titles. It's kind of in that same vein. Part of the reason I decided to back it was because I I do like that style of gameplay. I like I like the older retro feel of certain games. I like some of the I like storylines that come out of the JRPG titles. They are just phenomenal. But it's also it it's also really important for me to back this Kickstarter because it's um it's an indie company, and you know a lot of indie companies now they're being better supported by Microsoft and Nintendo, but there are still a lot out there that kind of want to go their own way and don't want to be locked down to any one platform. So it's important to support these indie artists because they're working just as hard as you know the AAA publishers, Bioware and uh, Ubisoft, all of them. So, but that, that's why it's important personally to me, but also, you know, with, with them being indie artists and they're not, they're not quite as, I guess, greedy as <laughs> some of the other major publishers, they'll, they'll usually, um, they'll sell their game for a lot cheaper, but they'll also, um, for their backers, for the people that have been faithful to them, they'll give them, you know, cool little extras, like putting your name on a statue in a game somewhere. <laughs> so you can basically be immortalized as a supporter of that game. That's awesome. 
And I think I think that in itself, that could be a whole nother conversation, and it probably will be a conversation talking about the difference of developers and the limitations and things that, that kind of drive the gaming industry. I think I think indie titles and these smaller companies who are taking the chance on their their work knowing that it might not pan out as much as a AAA title with the clout and the backing of something. I really applaud that because sometimes the gameplay feels so genuine and so much more invested. Cyberpunk is so much a huge topic, especially as of a couple months ago, because of how hyped the game was and a, and a company like CD Projekt Red, responsible for The Witcher, how fantastic that game turned out to be as well. That, that reputation carried a level of expectation. You know, these indie companies, you might not have the expectation but you're blown away most of the time with what you receive. I think to to bring us back to topic because I think we we would just went off on a rabbit hole. But um, to bring us back to it, you know, talking about saving your money, investing in something, keeping patience. I think that was where you where we were at with that was about patience. What about things like? Uh, is there a way that you could use something to make money on the side? What are your suggestions on that? And considering all ages of our audience, what are what are some suggestions that people can use? Well, I mean, the obvious is you know trying to pick up a part time job, whether it's uh, whether it's for a company or just doing something on the side, like mowing mowing somebody's lawn for you know fifteen twenty bucks a week. Uh, if you can pick up you know three or four lawns, that's easily sixty bucks a month. So that's a new game right there. If you're if you're a little bit older, if you are of adult age, you can start take you can start taking on more complex jobs, uh, maybe some contract work. One of the big things right now is uh, what's known as the gig economy. So you've got uh, you've got positions where basically you're an independent contractor, but you're delivering groceries either with shipped or Instacart. Uh, you're delivering food for Grubhub or DoorDash or uh, Uber Eats. Um, so those are those are really good ways to make a little bit of extra money. And I mean, even there, you know, there there are other methods too. If you're if you're if you're old enough, if you're healthy enough, if you know that you can handle it, um, one of the things that I've been doing is um, doing plasma donations. It's a, it's a great way to earn money. I'm earning, you know, right around fifty dollars per donation. You can do that twice a week, so that's a hundred bucks a week. But it's also going to a really great cause because it helps to fund. Yet the the plasma donations help to create um, medications and vaccines for people with life threatening disabilities, and it can help. You can help with research for future vaccines, like the current COVID nineteen pandemic. A lot of that, a lot of where the vaccines are coming from, are people who have had COVID nineteen. They've got the antibodies for it, and those antibodies are carried in that plasma that they're donating. So that's a crucial, crucial part of medical research. Okay, and so I think another thing to add on that too, by the way, thank you for doing that because that's, I agree, having the opportunity to provide something that betters humanity is huge. But I think another set of that is, let's go back to that gig economy. Fiverr is such a huge thing right now and Upwork. If you have any kind of a, a trade that you do, graphic editing, music editing, 
uh, you you code uh, for something or website design, offer some kind of a service. There are ways to do things on the side and and to do that. And so when it comes to gaming, and if you're a person who's never gamed before and you found this podcast and you're on this topic, there's always way to ways to invest in what your hobby is going to be. And we'll we'll be honest, gaming isn't cheap. Okay, it takes money and time and and stuff like that. But the the part of gaming that's there is the rewarding part of it is, you know, collaboration with friends, the 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 part of, you know, not escaping into the game, but you know, understanding the the huge part of plots. If you love movies and and reading, it's it's just an interactive movie for RPGs or an interactive kind of book that you're there that you're able to be a part of in a physical connective stance and so it's just another way to enjoy content in a different level and so my personal take on it is yes there is an investment there and if you're a person who's already in gaming and you're trying to figure out how do they can these people do this this and this and this i hope that what armin has done today by by talking about these topics and the conversation we've had has helped center you on the idea of there are ways to limit your costs to and still be able to enjoy the hobby of gaming. So I think I think we're going to kind of wrap up here but I want to I want to ask you Armin just one more question, actually two more. One, January 28th. We're recording on January 28th, 2022. Let's bring it back to a personal standpoint. You as a person, content creation or not, as a gamer or not in life or something, what is your goal? one year from today i'm shaking hands with dumbledore i've just won the house cup <laughs> no um, Bro, i love that from from a from a personal standpoint you know i i hope to be able to help people in our community and you know all the newcomers that we bring in uh you know i want to be able to help them reach their goals um you know some some of the people in our community they join in for the streaming aspect and they're trying to get to the point where they're monetized and they're famous and i want to help them with that i'm i'm not really that concerned about my personal standing um streaming's just not one of my big passions um but if i can anyway help someone reach their goals if i can help if it, even if it's just giving them a follow watching their stream for a few hours um, or if they take some of my budgeting advice to heart and it helps them save money and you know get games for cheaper so that they can create new content off of those games that's that's tremendous for me and i will be forever grateful for that opportunity to help someone else awesome and let me ask you a question with that you're also a writer um, and I know you're you're working on something right now and I don't know how much you want to go into it but do you have plans of sometime this year is there going to be a published Armin Jace work sometime in your future I don't know how I, I don't know how close into the future it would be um, I'm I'm still very much um, disorganized as far as that work goes you know, there's there's a lot more to it um there there are a lot of there's a lot of red tape that i would have to cut through for my current work to be published um a lot of uh give and take a lot of negotiations and it it won't be a very pretty process it is one of my eventual goals to be a published writer though and whether that's you know whether that's um works of fiction or in a more journalistic standpoint 
you know, it either either one would be fine for me. I think that's awesome. I even think, you know, reading reading the things you have, I I think the journalistic side, not that I'm trying to do anything. I think that you have a passion for both. But I think that, you know, what you're already doing for the channel with with gaming news and and posting things like that, you know, making a blog on the side and just having something that's already up that's kind of creating a portfolio. I think that's awesome. And I think you have a talent and I'm I'm looking forward to what you have to offer. Um not only the community, but also what if you if you publish something, what that brings to humanity and society. So, um, Armin, that was that was awesome. I have one more question for you. Is there anything else that you would like to add to today's discussion? Keep your wallet in mind um, as you're exploring your hobbies, but at the same time, keep the developers in mind too. It it really means a lot to them, especially the indie developers, when you support their projects. So, if you have the extra money you know, toss a couple of dollars their way, it, it can make a lot of difference both in their lives and throughout the rest of the world because it can help them to reach a goal to bring happiness to millions of people worldwide. And just knowing that you chipped in a cup of coffee to help them, it can mean so much. I think that's awesome. And uh, I think that might be where we wrap it up here today. Armin, thank you so much for coming on for today's podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Guys, make sure you check us out on social media. All of Armin's social media will be linked into the description of this podcast. Make sure you go check them out. Give them a follow. And uh, also make sure you jump in the Darkness Discord to be a part of our community. We would love to be able to help you achieve the goals that you want, especially with people as dedicated and as awesome as Armin on our team to be able to do that. Thank you once again, guys. Welcome to the Darkness. I'm Cyrus, and y'all have a great day.